Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Story time. I was with my parents on vacation at Russian River in California. We had rented a This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A cabin that was probably 10 miles out of a small town. The cabin had a dry river bed behind it, and one day I decided to go exploring. I was walking along the river bed for maybe 15 to 20 minutes when I came across a large and abandoned campsite that was in a clearing. There were five or so old tents, with clothes and stuff scattered about. Everything was really dirty and tattered looking so it has been there a while. I was standing there staring at it wanting to move closer, but knowing I shouldn't. As I was taking the scene and I heard a stick snap in the hill up to my right. I whirled around looking in the direction, scanning the tree line but didn't see anything. Seeing as there could be at least five people hiding, judging by the tents, I decided to turn around. I was walking as quickly as I could along the rocky river bed without tripping, all while occasionally hearing a twig snap or the crunch of leaves once every few minutes over to my left. I kept looking behind me and up at the trees to see if I could see anything but didn't. I finally made it to another clearing where the tree line was further back and whoever or whatever was following me would have been forced to step into the open or move way further away to stay concealed. I took the chance to run the remaining distance as fast as I safely could back to the cabin. Could this be a Bigfoot? Once I went biking and camping in the Missourian Lakes District in Poland. 
Except a few ports full of tourists it's quite a remote place and you can ride for lots of miles through forests without meeting anyone. So me and my ex-boyfriend had a map of campsites in the area and moved from one to another. Usually those were typical campings, with staff electricity etc. But sometimes we slept in abandoned sites which was pretty creepy. Anyway, one day we decide to go to this campsite by the lake my boyfriend visited when he was a kid. We even found online that it was still open and hoped it'll be fine. Previously boyfriend told me of an old Prussian cemetery in the forest nearby and that some of the graves were open so you can see human bones, I was scared as hell but thought it'll be okay if there are people around. So we go there but it turns out there's no road to this place and we have to cross some fields on the way there, leaving nearest buildings more than 4 miles behind. Meanwhile, there's a storm coming from the opposite side of the lake. When we get there, everything's in complete ruin. There was some food left as if someone didn't care about finishing it, the buildings of the campsite were deliberately destroyed, even the pier was taken out of the water, remnants of the campsite just floating around. I was really scared and wanted to get back but my boyfriend walked around and said it'll be fine. So with all the destruction around there was a portable toilet just standing there like no one cared to take it away. It was closed, I approached it and heard wailing from inside. It was very loud and sounded like a human crying, but without any words. I ran to my boyfriend and said I'm really scared. He told me it was just the wind but after approaching the toilet he admitted it did sound like a human. We tried knocking and asking if everything was okay but all we heard were those crying noises. We even tried to open the thing but it was like someone was holding it from the inside and crying louder and sadder. There was also an empty beer bottle in front of the toilet, like someone entered it and someone else put a bottle by the door. As you can expect, we got more scared every minute, with the storm and the forest and the graveyard and this wailing so we just ran away from there. My dad once told me how he and a couple of buddies were hunting in the deep New Zealand bush and suddenly stumbled into a small area where the bush or shrub had been all squashed down. It quickly got really weird as they noticed that something really large had moved from there. Like just thrashing or forcefully crashing its way through the bush. It got shit freaky as they also noticed that there was massive amounts of fresh, i.e., wet, blood accompanying the trail of broken bush. Apparently we're talking about heaps of blood, like Jesus Christ, surely whatever made this is bleeding out and lying dead just around the corner. They kept tracking this thing for 10 to 15 minutes expecting to find? The largest bush mammal we have here is deer and there are no large predators here. So they keep tracking and suddenly the blood or crash trail abruptly stops. All signs of bush crashing and heavy bleeding come to a sudden and unexplained end. This was deep and uninhabited bush and still to this day there is no logical answer. For so much recent blood loss and no explanation for it, needless to say they were all really creeped out. I work on the search and rescue team, and I have a very interesting case to share with you. I know I'm not allowed to normally discuss this stuff, but I believe that this missing case might be the work of an alien abduction. It all began when I received a frantic call from a mother about her missing daughter. They were camping just outside of Bend, Oregon. I rushed to meet them at their campsite. The family had been staying there for a few days, and on that particular morning, the mother and father went down to the river while their daughter climbed into one of the riverside trees to get a better view of the scenery. That was the last anyone saw of her. She disappeared without a trace. The mother frantically searched for her, but there was no sign that she had fallen or ever come down from where she was. The family became grief-stricken and panicked, finally calling us for help. We searched all around the area for any clues but couldn't find anything. The whole day passed, and as evening approached, we expanded our search party, but still, there was no trace of her. Even the dogs couldn't pick up on her scent. Eventually, the helicopter located her about 12 miles north of the location where she had gone missing. Miraculously, she was completely fine, unharmed, 
and unscathed. The dogs helped lead us to her, but when we found her, she was in a state of complete and utter terror. She was rocking back and forth, murmuring strange things. We asked if she was okay, but she didn't reply. She was taken back to her family, but her expression remained unchanged. She never gave us any concrete answers about what had happened to her, just murmuring about being taken and not being allowed to leave. It was puzzling how she had traveled such a distance in such a short amount of time. The terrain between her and where she was found was rough and challenging, yet she was unscathed in her outfit and flip-flops. It simply didn't make any sense. I can't help but think that something extraordinary happened to her, and part of me wants to believe it was aliens. It's the only thing that seems to explain everything. But, of course, I could be wrong. We may never know the truth behind what happened that day, but the poor girl was clearly frightened by something or someone that took her and transported her over a vast distance in the blink of an eye. I remember this being back in 2012. I was on patrol along the Mississippi River just outside of St. Louis. The area I was patrolling is considered one of the most haunted areas in all the United States. We get a lot of reports from people who see things like ghosts and whatnot. So at about 4 a.m., dispatch received a call from a frantic lady who was talking about seeing a man with glowing red eyes and huge fangs coming out of the woods towards her house. Now, this woman specifically was known to be on medications that cause paranoia and schizophrenia, so we initially thought it might have been some kind of hallucination brought on by her medication. But she sounded panicked, telling us there might actually be something going on, and so we had to check it out. We arrived at the area she called from, a lone gravel road leading to an old farmhouse. As we got closer, I began getting this odd feeling like something bad was about to happen. When we got up to the house, you could see something or somebody appearing to be huddled behind an old tree stump near some bushes, but since it was dark, you couldn't make out who or what it was until we got close. As we got close enough, I could finally see who, or rather what, it was. At first, all I saw were two green eyes staring back at me with an expression that seemed like terror. I couldn't exactly tell what it was, other than it wasn't human but looked like some sort of ape or monkey. That's when it stood up, and it was easily 9 feet tall, looking like this thing could have attacked somebody and destroyed us. Its long brown hair kind of flung off its body, and it had pointed ears on top of its head. But what really caught me off guard, initially hiding behind the stump, was its long snout and large fangs. I thought this might have been some sort of rabid bay or something, but I have never been filled with so much terror before in my life. This thing jumps up in the tree instantly and then leaps back toward us in a pouncing motion, swiping one of its claws. A second one of these creatures steps out of the woods right by where the first one attacked and begins to run towards us. My partner and I fire a couple of shots as these things give chase, and we quickly dart back to our vehicle. They all dart off back into the swamps. We had to go get back up, and we realized that this situation wasn't safe. This was not the last time that we encountered what we like to call the wolves of the Everglades. In fact, there's a much longer version, which I'll probably share with you in a separate email. But for now, I don't think these creatures are innocent. I believe that this woman was not just on her medication. These things were truly trying to break into her house and who knows what they would have done to her. How they got in remains a mystery. I found myself panting heavily as I leaned against a tree trunk, my heart pounding in my chest. The events of the night had left me shaken to the core, my mind struggling to comprehend the horrors we had just witnessed. It all began when our group of amateur hikers, led by our fearless adventurer Norris, stumbled upon an abandoned ranger station deep within Yellowstone National Park. The ranger station stood before us, weathered and worn by the passage of time. Its windows were shattered, and the door hung loosely on its hinges. Intrigued by the mysterious history that clung to the structure, we made the impulsive decision to spend the night, 
oblivious to the station's haunting past. As the sun dipped below the horizon, casting an eerie glow over the surrounding forest, darkness fell upon us like a suffocating blanket. We gathered inside, our flashlights cutting through the thick veil of shadows that consumed the station. Unease settled upon our group, and an unspoken tension hung in the air. It began subtly, with faint whispers carried on the wind, disembodied voices that seemed to echo from the walls themselves. Goosebumps prickled along my arms as the ethereal sounds intensified, words I couldn't quite make out, but which carried an undeniable sense of anguish. Suddenly, ghostly apparitions flickered into existence before our startled eyes. Figures, translucent and hazy, materialized and disappeared in an instant. We caught glimpses of tormented souls, forever trapped in the realm between life and death, their sorrow etched into their spectral faces. A shudder ran down my spine as my gaze shifted toward the open doorway. Emerging from the darkness was a creature unlike anything I had ever seen before. It crouched, its long, emaciated arms hanging down against its sides, the skin stretched tight over the prominent ribs of its bony chest. What I had initially mistaken for white fur was, in fact, its sickly pale, death-like skin with eerie gray undertones. The creature's head was that of a human, but one ravaged by malnutrition and decay. Its hollow eyes were disproportionately large, reflecting the faint glimmers of sunlight, and they seemed to pierce through my very soul. With a guttural growl, it lunged toward us, teeth bared in a sinister snarl. Pure terror surged through our veins, overpowering our sense of curiosity. We turned and fled, racing into the night, driven solely by an instinct to survive. As we burst through the tree line into a small clearing, our heaving breaths were momentarily stilled by the sight of a park ranger jeep parked nearby. Relief flooded over us, and we quickly huddled together, sharing our terrifying encounter with the park ranger. But our hopes of finding solace and reassurance were shattered as he dismissed our story with a scoff. His eyes bore an expression of skepticism, and he chalked it up to hallucinations induced by drug use. We pleaded with him, our voices trembling with desperation, assuring him that we were clear-headed and what we had experienced was all too real. But the ranger remained unmoved, dismissing us as mere fools who had wandered into the realm of hallucinatory nightmares. Defeated and dejected, we trudged away from the ranger station, our minds forever scarred by the horrors we had faced. I was going through the hiking trails with my dog, behind my town's local high school, fairly late one night. I had gone there plenty of times before since I was young, so I wasn't frightened. While I was walking my dog, he kept trying to stop and was whimpering, which was strange, because he is normally a very brave dog. After walking for about 10 minutes longer, I heard huge branches crashing and breaking. That's when I started to become frightened and decided to turn back. While walking back, I could tell that something was following me. I was terrified. Suddenly, after a minute of calmness, this creature leapt in front of me, across the trail. The creature had long, dark fur and was enormous. It wasn't a bear. It was like a very muscular, huge wolf. After seeing this, I picked up my dog and sprinted off the trail, without seeing it again. That was easily one of the most terrifying nights of my life. This afternoon about 5 p.m. I had went to pick up my daughter from work. She works in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, right near the high school. I parked in the lot which is backed up to a little wooded-like area and was reading Facebook on my phone while I waited. I had this feeling of being watched come over me. I started looking around and turned in my seat to look into the trees to see if I saw anything and I saw this big dark figure standing there watching me. I turned back around in my seat hoping it didn't realize I seen it and lifted my phone up just enough to film it in my rearview mirror. You can see it moving around. It even stands up taller for a bit before ducking back down. I needed to see if I could get a better look cause I was starting to second guess myself and what I was seeing. 
As I opened my car door and stepped out I moved to the back of my car. And looked and I heard what sounded similar to a deep growl and it bolted into the trees. It was so fast I didn't get a good look at it. I cannot say 100% that what I'm looking at is a dog man but it's something let me know what you think. Since it was summer break for my school, I was lazily lounging at home watching TV. I got bored, so I went outside to see if I could do anything with my chickens, like feed them worms and snails. Before I go into more detail, I should explain the area I live in. My home is on the outskirts of the city I live in. I had about five or seven chickens at the time, and we hadn't expanded the coop, so it was a small pen connecting to two sides of the chicken coop, which is wooden and sturdy, the only ways to get into the coop is either through the trap door attached to the big door and the three windows, one window is on one side of the door and the second window on the other side. The third window is a large window. Keep in mind that they all have traps connected to them so they can be closed. We have seven acres of woodland that we call the back pasture, and if you've ever been back there you could see that it's a popular habitat for the local deer. There was also a wild boar that was roaming around at the time, and I don't know how it got there. We had been having trouble with poachers for a while, considering the population of deer in the woods. One poacher had set up a trail cam, one that was motion activated. There was an old rusty deer stand that had been put on a tree a long time ago, and the tree had begun to grow around it. Beyond our acres of woods, there's a large cornfield owned by our neighbors, and beyond that is a forest. I don't know what the forest is like beyond the field since we've never been there. I went outside to do something with my chickens, and I had brought along a bucket of corn for feeding the deer after. When I walked out of my home, I saw a doe was sitting in the tall grass, I thought it was sleeping since it had its head down and wasn't moving. I, being the curious little nut I was, decided that I would sneak up on the deer and get a picture of it to show to my mother when she got home from work. I crept as silently as I could across the yard that separated me from the deer. I should also mention that we have a clearing with a burn pit in it that was filled with cedar branches. I was creeping across my yard towards the deer, and when I had cleared the burn pit and was about 10 yards from it I realized that the deer wasn't asleep, but it was dead. It was the most disgusting sight I had ever seen. Its intestines were completely gone, the flesh on the body of the doe shredded to pieces and blood absolutely everywhere. It looked as if it had been sitting there for a while, and it smelled like it, too. Most of the blood was dried and the air reeked with the stench of rotting flesh, urine, and what seemed like a hint of wet dog. Something that creeped me out about the scene was although it was a rotting carcass, there were no insects at all around it, it was as if the usual lively forest was deader than the deer. Not even the neighbor's cattle made a sound. It looked as if the poor deer had simply been left after being brutally attacked and half-eaten, which it most likely was. I left the bucket at the beginning of the trail, thinking that I would come out later with my mother and grain the deer when she got home. Then, I started to walk back to my house. I had barely taken a few steps when I heard a low, snarling growl that sounded like a wolf. Although it seemed distorted as if it were being played on an old radio. Sorry, that's the only way I think of describing it. Against my better judgment, I turned my head around, and I saw what looked like the biggest freaking wolf I'd ever seen. It was on all fours, its fur was black and matted in places, its face was what you'd expect a wolf to look like although it was broad and the muzzle seemed a little short. Although the way it was curling its lips made it look as if its snout was plenty long, and its eyes were yellow. Not a bright yellow like the yellow of a flower or the sun, but a dim, amber, red yellow, if that makes sense. Its ears looked like that of a Doberman pincer, with the cropped effect. Its front legs were long, and it looked as if it were a bodybuilder. Its paws, if you can even call them paws, looked like huge hands with long claws at the end of them. It stood up, and I heard the most sickening popping sound you could ever imagine. It sounded like the sound of popping joints, but it seemed amplified as if it were being played through a microphone and the sound was coming out of loudspeakers. 
Its body looked like a bodybuilder's pumped up on steroids, it was so big. It had no tail, that I could tell, and it seemed to tower over me. Although I was a good 10 meters from it. I was about 5 foot 4 inches at the time, and I came nowhere close to its height. It was so tall that the tip of its ears could almost touch the top of a young cedar. It let out a loud howl, which sounded more like a roar and it charged at me. Doing the only thing I knew to do while hyped up on fear and adrenaline, I began to run away from it. I remember clearing my yard in what seemed like hours but was most likely only a few seconds, and running inside. Slamming and locking all of the doors and windows. As I calmed down a small bit, I had realized that if it had really wanted to kill me that it would have. That what I had experienced was not an attack charge, but a bluff. I was lucky to get away with my life. Although this happened almost two years ago, it still terrifies me to think about it. The deer was gone the next day, and ever since that evening I have been weary around the woods, only going in them in broad daylight, only when I absolutely had to, and never without a weapon. Sadly, I cannot say that I am one of those people that have stopped experiencing things after the encounter, although I only had nightmares for a month after that day in June. Nothing really started to happen again until about two months ago when I was staying up at night playing on the laptop. I had started to hear things moving around on the porch and turned on the light to see the shape of something huge disappearing behind the corner of my house. There was also one of the rare times I went into the woods after the first encounter when I was helping my mother clear brush from the hunting clearing. I was going to get the mower, and was walking the trail to do so when I heard bipedal footsteps following me off to my side. They stopped whenever I stopped, and I eventually ran out of the woods and I haven't been back since. I asked my late great-grandmother about the creature I had seen in the woods, and she informed me that there was something called the wolf-head man that stalked the Kansa tribe, preying on small children that strayed too far from their teepees. Later, I was informed by my history teacher that my house had actually been built on a tribal burial ground, and I have since been wondering if that had something to do with it. I hadn't heard about the wolf-head man before she had told me about it. When I saw that there were several eyewitness reports that were proved to be truthful, it made me feel a lot better about coming out with this information. I had attempted to tell people previous to this submission, but everyone either said I was stupid, crazy, or just a plain liar. One thing's for certain, I am not stupid, I am not crazy, and I am most definitely not a liar. I know what I saw, and what I saw was a dog man. I think I had an encounter with Windigo. My friends and I recently went to Sierra National Forest for a camping trip. About two hours deep for dispersed camping. The day was wonderful, I personally ended up falling asleep fairly early, 10 am. When I woke up, Half my group was in shambles from an unsettling story. Our campsite was all close together, however one of the individuals slept in a hammock about 50 feet from everyone else's tent. When we woke up, he had us if anyone else heard me scream his name. The strange thing here is I've referred to him by a personal nickname rather than his name for years. He had expressed to us that he heard the yell of his name, in my voice, around 3 a.m and it sounded far away, however nobody else heard it. Just thought that was very strange. This happened about two weeks ago and we're still chatting about it as a collective. Four years ago, an unforgettable hunting trip took place, etched in my memory like a vivid painting. I was accompanied by my trusted companions, Uncle Jack, my brother Larry, and Frankie of Warm Springs, may he rest in peace. The season was perfect for elk hunting, with October to November casting a beautiful blend of colors over the landscape. Our destination was the wilderness near Mount Hood, a realm of nature's untamed majesty. We ventured off the beaten path, leaving the main road behind at the Bear Springs Ranger Station, and journeyed across the rugged ridges toward the McQuinn Strip, an addition of the Warm Springs Reservation. As we trek through the dense forests and embrace the solitude of the wild, 
little did we know that an awe-inspiring and terrifying encounter awaited us. In the distance, around 800 yards away, we spotted an astonishing sight, two big feet in a meadow. Our hearts pounded with both amazement and trepidation. The massive creatures had apparently taken down an elk and were feasting on its flesh, tearing off chunks with ease. It was a sight that defied belief, mythical beings, as real as the wilderness surrounding us. As we watched through our rifle scopes, captivated by the scene unfolding before our eyes, another Bigfoot emerged from the brush to join the group. Moments later, a fourth one appeared, smaller in stature, but still an impressive five feet in height. The big feet ranged from seven feet tall to the smaller one at five feet, their presence alone enough to send shivers down our spines. While we were in awe of these magnificent creatures, our primal instincts kicked in, and we felt a growing concern for our own safety. If these majestic beings could so effortlessly take down an elk, could we be their next target? The idea of being on their menu for dessert was enough to send a chill down our spines, and with that realization, we chose to retreat. As we made our way back, Uncle Jack shared a story that added to the sense of awe and fear surrounding these mysterious beings. He recounted how a friend had witnessed Big Feet herding deer for the kill, illustrating their intelligence and cunning in securing a high-protein diet that sustained their impressive size, strength, agility, and speed. Our minds were swirling with questions and emotions as we hiked out of the wilderness. The encounter had left us both amazed and terrified, forever altering our perception of the untamed world around us. We had been privileged to glimpse these elusive giants of the forest, and yet, the lingering fear of what they were capable of haunted our thoughts. Since that fateful day, we continued our hunting trips, but the memory of the big feet remained etched in our minds, a constant reminder that the wild had secrets beyond our understanding. It was a chilly afternoon in the heart of the forest, and I was hiking along a scenic trail, enjoying the solitude and the beauty of nature. The rustling leaves under my boots and the distant chirping of birds created a peaceful ambience around me. Little did I know that this tranquil hike would lead me to an inexplicable encounter that would forever remain etched in my memory. As I trekked deeper into the wilderness, I noticed a tree line not far from the trail. My curiosity sparked, and I decided to venture closer to take a peek at the dense vegetation beyond. My heart skipped a beat when, from the corner of my eye, I saw a large figure moving amidst the trees. At first, I thought it was a bear, and my heart raced with a mix of excitement and fear. But as I focused on the creature, my astonishment grew. This was no ordinary bear, it was running on its hind legs. I rubbed my eyes, thinking I must be seeing things, but there it was, unmistakable. This creature was sprinting, its arms raised above its head like a human running in a race. My mind was a whirlwind of emotions and confusion. My instincts told me to retreat, but my curiosity held me in place, trying to comprehend the bizarre sight before me. I couldn't believe what I was witnessing, it defied everything I knew about bears. They don't run on their hind legs, do they? The creature continued its unusual dash along the tree line for what felt like an eternity but was probably only a few seconds. Then, as abruptly as it appeared, it vanished into the thick foliage. My heart pounded in my chest, and my mind raced with questions. What had I just witnessed? Was it a bear imitating human-like movements, or was it something entirely different? I cautiously made my way back to the main trail, my thoughts consumed by the enigmatic encounter. As I returned to civilization, I couldn't shake off the image of that strange creature. Later that day, I decided to share my story with a few fellow hikers and locals. To my surprise, I was met with skepticism and disbelief. People often mistake things in the woods, they said, bears don't run on their hind legs. I nodded, trying to accept their rational explanation, but deep down, I knew what I saw was real. The memory of that bear-like creature, running on its hind legs with its arms raised above its head, remained vivid in my mind. 
During the summer of 1987, I was hiking with eight other teens and three adult instructors in the Three Sisters Wilderness in Oregon. We were heading up a low ridge around dusk, over to the left and towards the base there was a small pond and as we reached the top there was a small lake to the right down the other side of the Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ridge. The instructors set up camp further up the ridge about 50 yards from us. We were setting up our tarps and collecting water for the night, making dinner act. The sun was down but it was still light enough to see clearly for maybe 30 more minutes. Alex went to relieve himself, and we could still see the instructors up the hill from us. When all of a sudden a rock about the size of a bowling ball came flying into our camp. We were shocked, then started yelling at Alex. Knock it off, et cetera. Then another one came and another. The rocks were not too close to us but close enough to be somewhat of a danger. Then Alex came back, we all got in his face and were really upset, then another rock came down. We all ran up to where the instructors were at, and told them what happened. They of course thought we were full of it, when from out of nowhere again came Anther Rock not so close but again close enough. It is getting quite dark now and all sat back to back in a circle, with our ice axes in our hands. I think we stayed up all night, but the next day we all just left and never spoke about it again. About 10 years ago I was living with my aunt, and I basically had the basement family room to myself. The house setup was odd because the basement had its own entrance, which was really ground level, and the rest of the house was built into or onto a hill. In order to walk in the formal front door you would have to go up a flight of stairs, but right off the driveway was the basement door. The house is old, and the lock on the basement door is tricky, and there have been many nights when I just went to sleep and forgot to, or didn't lock the door right, it had to be slammed shut, etc. One night I awake from sleep in a distressed panic, as if I was having a nightmare, but I didn't, to the best of my knowledge, have a nightmare. Basically it felt like something bad was transpiring. As I lay in bed I could hear someone tinkering with the basement lock and door. I listen to verify, and then it becomes painfully aware that someone is outside, trying to get in. I walk over to the door slowly, and look out the peephole but I can't see anything because it is way too dark outside. There is a switch to turn on the floodlight about 4 feet from the door so I switch it on and quickly get to the peephole to see who is out there. When I look through the peephole I see a middle-aged, bald, somewhat husky white male but I can't see his face because he is looking back at where the light is, I guess he was checking to see who put a light on him, or what was going on, I run upstairs, wake up my family, grab a golf club and call the police. They take 30 minutes to get there, shine a spotlight around the yard and leave. I didn't get any sleep that night. I spent a lot of time hunting by myself in the American Southwest, mainly Arizona. I am always armed and this story will explain why. I was three days into a week-long predator hunt. I mainly hunt coyote but also buy a mountain lion permit 
as they frequent the area and often respond to my predator calls. I awoke one night in my camp to voices around the perimeter of my camp. They were all in Spanish and in a hushed tone but in the desert, noise travels very far. I was sleeping in my pickup truck camper but had the windows open for ventilation. I awoke to the voices and quietly readied my sidearm in case they were smugglers or someone looking to rob me. I waited for what felt like hours in the darkness but really was maybe 20 minutes. After a time I decided to investigate instead of fall back asleep. As quietly as I could I put on my boots and grabbed my rifle and peered around me. The moon was half full and the sky clear so I could see a great distance around me. I saw four figures huddled around the remains of my campfire using it to heat some sort of pot or can as food or water. I waited inside my truck, trying not to move as I didn't know their intentions. After about a half hour they quietly moved on in the northern direction but I never fell back asleep. I waited until dawn before going back to sleep and reported them to the border patrol agent on my way out of the range. I never saw any footprints or signs that they were even there the next morning, only a small depression in my fire where their pot or can had sat. Other than that they were gone without a trace. I assumed they were just people crossing the border illegally to find work or trafficking drugs but I never knew for certain. I shudder to think what would have happened if I had confronted them as I don't know if they were armed or not. I don't go hunting alone anymore. Eight years ago, I found myself in Bend, Oregon, a place that seemed to harbor whispers of the unknown. As I explored the charming town, I stumbled upon an intriguing tale that would ignite my curiosity and lead me on an adventure I could never have imagined. I had the chance to strike up a conversation with a lady who had camped near Paulina Peak, a majestic peak that stood tall at 7,897 feet. The thought of camping amidst such breathtaking scenery excited me, but it was her story that truly captured my attention. She recounted a night, eight years prior, when her peaceful camping trip took an unexpected turn. In the early morning hours, a blood-curdling scream echoed through the wilderness. The sound was like nothing she had ever heard before, and it sent shivers down her spine. Frightened and perplexed, she decided to share her experience with the local forest service rangers from the Deschutes National Forest. The rangers were attentive as she described the terrifying scream she had heard. They revealed to her a plaster cast of a Bigfoot track, left by a creature that had been spotted crossing a road by two of the rangers themselves. With conviction, they assured her that the scream she heard was probably from the very creature that left that intriguing track. Intrigued and captivated, I was eager to learn more about this mysterious encounter. I sought to track down the retired ranger who had witnessed the Bigfoot track, hoping to hear more about this enigmatic creature roaming the woods of Oregon. However, my efforts to follow this lead were met with obstacles. The Forest Service personnel seemed tight-lipped, unwilling to share any further information. So basically I was with a group of friends walking from one condominium to another, there was a forest between these condominiums, with a fence dividing it from the sidewalk. I was behind the group with one of my friends, we were walking through a slightly dark part of the street and suddenly both of us saw some some white thing in one of the trees, it looked like a slime and it was moving in a really weird way, had no legs, no face, and it was a really powerful white, like there's no chance it was a light or something else, I called for the other guys and as I shouted it started climbing really fast in a really bizarre way as if I scared it, I turned on the lights from the phone to see if I could find it but honestly I was scared too and my heart started beating fast, so I just started running away with my friend. It was so good to have him there, cause we talked later and both of us saw the same thing and even complimented each other as we talked, so I was sure I was not hallucinating. Of course none of our friends who were in front of us believed in what we said, some of them got intrigued but I wouldn't blame them for not believing it, as I wouldn't blame you, it was really strange, it was like that venom slime but white, it's my only encounter with something that I just can't explain what it was, it really looked like it was not from earth. Edit, 
Just thought as the post got some attention I figured I should give an update. First off wanted to thank everyone that participated, I didn't know this subreddit, never participated that much on Reddit but I've read some interesting posts here and I'll probably stay around, I don't think I'll ever post any other story here again, at least hope so. Wanted to thank in special the two guys who shared their stories seeing this white thing, have talked to other people about this, but people either don't take it seriously or just have no idea of what it is when I describe. I went back to place today around 2pm to see if there's anything there but unfortunately just found nothing, I still have no idea what it was and I may never know, all I can do now is wait if more people from these condominiums will notice it. Cause I swear on everything, that thing is not an animal, that is just beyond science. My husband bought me a voodoo doll a couple birthdays ago in New Orleans. It was a vampire to keep you safe at night. I thought it was cute, but I did not put too much stock in it being real. Anyway, fast forward to a couple weeks ago. For some backstory, my husband was a boy scout. He has no fear of the wilderness and is strictly a don't worry until you have to person. We had been camping for several days at this point so I was not spooked either. It was a very normal, happy night. When we arrived at this campsite, I got the idea to grab our vampire. We normally keep him hanging in our car. He would not budge. I'm talking my husband and I both tried to get this clip to open for a good 10 minutes, and it just wouldn't. We thought maybe it had melted together in the heat, joke that he needs to stay in the car for some reason we are unaware of, and we went about our day. Fast forward several hours, we are in our tent at Sipsy Wilderness with our kids just hanging out after they went to sleep. With no prompt, no scary rustling in the bushes, no bad feeling, nothing, I get the urge to ask my husband if he's scared. I suddenly feel my hair standing up. He says yes. Without even talking to each other about what we should do, we both instantly grabbed the kids and ran for what felt like our lives to the car. Toss the still sleeping kids in the back seat, my husband buckling them in the car as I'm driving away. I'm big on car seat safety, but I didn't even wait. I just had a feeling we had seconds to get out of there. We didn't even get a chance to discuss what was going on when a random car passes us leaving the empty campsite. This is 2am in the freaking remote wilderness in nowhere Alabama. The entire campsite was empty that whole day. I just drive faster at this point leaving all our belongings behind. We arrive at the closest Walmart, maybe a 30 minutes drive, and the employees are outside. Walmart is closed. Seriously there are about 10 employees outside just staring blankly at our car. If anyone has an explanation for this please let me know. It was eerie, but this may not be anything. I guess there might be overnight stocking where 10 employees are taking a smoke break or something at the same time, but it just seemed off. We parked in the lot away from the employees as not to spook them, but they just kept staring. They didn't speak to each other or move. I decided to keep driving. I felt like I was in the twilight zone. I had no idea what to do at this point. So we just kept driving around and napped in the car with keys and ignition ready to book it if we needed to until the sun came up. We returned to the campsite, packed our stuff as fast as we could, and we never went back. We have since spent all our camping time at Chiha with no instances like this one. The weirdest part? That next morning, my husband tested our voodoo doll clip, and he came right off the car immediately. It's almost like he refused to leave our car that night to keep us safe. This probably doesn't explain everything the way it actually happened to us, but in summary, we got a really weird urge to run, saw some weird stuff, and now I'm afraid to go back to Sipsy. What do y'all think? So I was hunting with my dad up in the mountains a few years back and we had called it a night and returned to camp. After more than a few beers and some whiskey we went to bed. Now we weren't sleeping in tents or anything, just some ancient army cots under the stars. After dosing off I hear our old ice chest open and then thud shut, 
and that old ice chest had a very loud and squeaky hinges so it was very noticeable. I assumed it was my dad getting a water bottle. A few seconds later it happens again and repeats a few more times. So I turn over to ask my dad how is he so drunk that he can't operate an ice chest to find he's still asleep and snoring next to me. I reach for my mag light and shine it on the ice chest to find a black bear rummaging through it, he takes one look at me and runs off with something while I yell at him. Later the next day we find the bottle of Crown Royal a few feet away from camp unopened. We always share a laugh about that alcoholic bear. Hi, everyone. I don't normally make posts like this but this is a very strange occurrence that I just had the urge to share. I do consider myself spiritual, but I am in no way religious or actively practicing anything. Yesterday, I was in my bedroom with my younger sister and I was braiding her hair. It was taking a long time and I really had to use the bathroom, so I told her to give me a minute and I walked out. It's important to keep in mind I didn't tell her where I was going, what I was doing, or how long I would be gone. I just got up and went straight to the bathroom. I was in there for about 10 minutes because I had gotten into an argument with my friend over text, which is important to note because it doesn't normally take me long to use the bathroom. After I'm finished, I walk out of the bathroom to wash my hands, our sink is on the outside. When I walked out, I was in direct view of my sister because the sink is across from my bedroom door. As I was washing my hands, I noticed she was staring at me with a perplexed look on her face so I asked her what was wrong. She calmly asks me how I could have walked out the bathroom. This was a very oddly worded question so I asked her what she meant. She asked me, weren't you just in the living room? And I told her no, I've been in the bathroom the whole time. My sister began to look very sick as she told me I just talked to you in the living room, when did you walk in the bathroom? In a very concerned tone, I insisted to her that I did not enter the living room, and since I had gotten up and walked out of my bedroom, there was no point in which I had entered the living room. I asked her what I had said to her when she saw me in the living room. She tells me that she saw me sitting on the couch with my hands neatly folded, and I was staring off into space. She then told me that I had a very disturbed and concerned look on my face, which prompted her to ask me what was wrong, to which she claims I responded nothing in an eerie tone. My sister claims that she the me she had seen looked just like me. My hair was in a loose bun, I was wearing my same grey shirt and old red pajama pants, my face was the same, everything was the same. But it wasn't me. I know it wasn't me because I have no recollection of that happening. I was in the bathroom the entire time distracted by my heated discussion. I have no idea how this happened, but my sister told me after our exchange she felt nauseous, like something was off. I'm not sure what to make of this. I am a pretty rational person and have heard stories like this before. I want to look into possible carbon monoxide poisoning because it has been known to cause hallucinations, however, only my sister has experienced this. Neither me nor my roommate have seen anything out of the ordinary. We've been theorizing about parallel universes, possession, demons, curses. But we really don't know what's going on and are just looking for some answers. On my first and only backcountry hike, me and two much more experienced friends set up camp at 9,000 feet in the southern Sierra Nevada. The first day we saw a black bear cub wandering around the other side of a small lake, which was a little tense, but we didn't see any other bears the rest of the hike. That night, we all ate and then crashed early, but I'm a light sleeper and the altitude was messing with me. As I'm trying to read with my headlamp, I start to hear some low moaning sounds. It sounded like the groaning movie sound effects when a huge storm is brewing close to a ship as the winds whipped up. After a few minutes, I called out from my tent to my two friends, what the F is that? Not completely sure it wasn't a bear. They both immediately acknowledge they are alarmed as well. We all open our tent flaps and just watch as the winds get stronger and stronger. The trees at our altitude were sparse but there were a few huge ones circling our sight. 
The ground we were on was mostly settled granite slag and boulders, and we were 1,000 feet from the top of a very long and very narrow canyon, probably a half mile wide, there's probably a better geographic term for it. There were five of these canyons all descending from a 10,000 foot peak. This sound increased until the wind picked up enough to tell us it was a huge storm of some kind. No clouds, no rain, just torrential winds. The wind at our ground level was not extreme, but the sound of what was going on above us was insane. Every now and then a blast of wind would shudder through our campsite, but the tops of the trees above us were swaying so severely that the trunks were moaning as loud as a car going by. Debris was falling all around us, big enough to render us all silent, even though we could hear each other, because there was nothing we could do. I will never forget that sound. It almost sounded like a huge steel tanker crashing against rocks, with a low growl and a high-pitched squeal. With every growl came a huge gust of wind that plunged down the rocky slope in a vortex that passed maybe a hundred feet over our heads. I'll never forget watching those tree tops bend to a frightening angle and then the residual blast of air that hit a few seconds later. This is a story from my mother and younger sister, who I will refer to as S in this post. It happened in Brooklyn, New York in the late 90s. I was in the second or third grade, S was around four years old. We had a back porch, overlooking a small fenced yard and lawn. We'd get the occasional regular-sized praying mantis. According to S, one day she was playing in the yard, while my mom was hanging laundry up on the back porch. Apparently, this thing just suddenly materialized right there in the middle of the yard. Because S says she turned around and there it was. She just stared at it for a few moments, not sure if it was a toy or what. She said it looked like a two and a half to three foot long, praying mantis with big red eyes and tiny black pinpricks for pupils. When the fear finally hit her, S ran up the stairs shouting for mom. All she could express at the time was that it was a big bug. My mom barely reacted OFC because kids get scared by normal bugs all the time. Well, the damn thing followed S up the stairs. For so long I've imagined what that must have looked like. S convinced my mom to go inside with her. That's when mom finally saw it. While she and S were watching it from inside through the mesh door, the praying mantis perched itself in one of the chairs on the porch. Not like on the top of the back cushion or on the armrest or something, just in the chair proper. When my mom went looking for a camera, all at once it just disappeared. I asked if it flew away but neither of them have an answer. It was gone as instantly as it showed up. When my dad brought me home from school around a half hour later they were still hiding behind the mesh door looking terrified. I never got this full version of the story till S was older. For years she would become hysterical if she ever saw a praying mantis or even the image of one. I wonder about what this thing could have been or why it only showed itself to mom and S. I do know, however, that as I got older I found that my mother was a very abusive woman and S, I believe, suffered the most because of it. Makes me wonder if one of the people I've told this story to is right about it being a demon. Or at least a bad omen. About seven years ago, camping with my future wife by a small lake a few lakes over into Crown Land. Government owned, but not park land in Canada, near my family cottage. We'd cleared a bit of brush right on the shore of the lake for our tent set up camp, ate, hung our food, and went into the tent to sleep. Middle of the night I wake up to the sound of something huge moving through the bush nearby. It got closer and closer, and sped up a bit, crashed through some brush probably no more than four to five feet from the tent and kept going. Eventually close to daybreak we did get back to sleep, and in the morning we found a trail of trampled bush and unknown scat not far from where we were sleeping. This happened to me and my then roommate a few years ago. 
We were just chilling on the couch and listening to the rain outside when at one point we started talking about how the rain sounded like the sea, and how we pictured a lighthouse on a windy shore. I know this sounds crazy and maybe like we were on drugs, but we were not, we were completely sober. Slowly but surely the conversation between my friend and I started to shift to a visualization, or perhaps a hypnosis? It's unclear to me how this normal conversation about a lighthouse turned into the shared vision or dream it did, but at one point we were both there, in the lighthouse. We both saw a man there, dressed in a yellow raincoat. He had a weathered face and a gray beard, but most remarkably in the place where his eyes were supposed to be there were two black holes, as if they had been gauged out and only some rotting black skin remained. We both felt this intense urge to get out, so we ran away from the lighthouse to the woods as he followed us. I'm not sure about how we woke up from this hypnosis, dream, vision or whatever it was but I remember realizing this was bad and we needed to wake up. So I urged my roommate to do so. After I returned to my body I gently woke them up and we discussed what happened. When we had entered this state it was around 12 midnight, but when we woke up it was about 3 am yet it felt like we had only been doing this for 15 minutes. The next day we both secretly drew the man we saw, we were both illustration students, without having discussed what he looked like. We drew the exact same man and had given him the exact same name, the Wehrman. My question is, what was this? A state of hypnosis we entered through the rain? Fully adieu? Or something supernatural? If so, does anyone recognize a figure of a lighthouse keeper in a yellow raincoat with no eyes? I worked at a state park and would regularly go days without seeing another person when my boss went away. So my boss was away one week and left his dog with me, and I was wasting time around my lunch break throwing tennis balls for him. I threw one really far away into the woods to give myself some time to eat my sandwich, and a maybe 10 minutes later he comes bounding out of the woods and drops this. Jaw right at my feet. I didn't touch it, but it was this grayish mass of skin and bone with bits of torn pink flesh underneath. Then it had about 7 or 8 of these long, thin, and very sharp teeth sticking out of its strange angles along the jawbone. It wasn't bloody, so it wasn't something the dog had killed, and it stank so it was probably old. I left it on the concrete where the dog had dropped it, took him with me and spent a little bit of time searching around in the woods in the direction he had come back, which was unnerving, but I didn't find anything. Then when I went back to where I had left it, it was just gone, and suddenly the dog started growling at the woods and his hackles went up. Right then I got in my truck, dog jumped in back, and I went home for the day. When my uncle was in his teens and early twenties he used to go on a yearly backpacking trip in the mountains of the Pacific Northwest near Mount Baker National Forest with a group of friends. They, there were five of them, knew each other from high school and over the years as they went their separate ways in life, college, etc. The trip became a way for them to reconnect with one another. Anyway, the first time they made this backpacking trip they were cresting a peak and came across a wide valley view. They were off trail and making pace cross country, but could navigate well enough given geography, my uncle in particular is a pretty experienced outdoorsman, and was even back then. To their surprise, especially given that there weren't any trails nearby for at least a couple miles, the group saw a large house on the side of a small lake. There was a small water plane parked on a dock adjacent the house, but other than this everything was entirely wild, no trails, no campsites, nothing. The group was shocked, but didn't think much of it the first time. It seemed to be a pretty rad house, so they assumed it belonged to some rich somebody and that it was just a private retreat. It was still pretty cool though, so they decided to return to that mountain crest every time they went on this trip to look at the house. Well, three or four years later when they came across the house there was no plane on the dock. They figured this meant that nobody was home. This time, they decided, they were going to check out the house. 
So they made their way down, which took a while through the thick, trail-less forest. What they came to was a remarkably fancy modern-style cabin home. Three floors, huge windows, a massive deck with a state-of-the-art barbecue, everything one would want in a sick-ass hidden mountain retreat. Cool. While they were poking around, a plane landed. Instead of running and hiding, the group decided to explain the situation. So they did when they met a nice gentleman who had flown in. He was very kind and courteous and pleased to show them his vacation house. From then on each time they went on the trip they would stop there for a night if the plane was present. Only one year my uncle became curious. What's the deal with this place? So at night, while they were sleeping in the house, he crept around and investigated a few of the many rooms it had. In the basement he found what explains everything. Massive piles of weed and brick form stacked row upon row next to stacks of cash. Instead of freaking out, he went back to sleep, and didn't tell his friends until they had left the next day. Not exactly spooky, but I feel like it fits in with the vibe of this threat. A few years back my fiancé and I went up to stay at her parents' property in Northern California for a weekend to camp, hike, do some astrophotography and generally just enjoy nature. This place is a good 20 minutes from any real town, and far enough from any big city that you can faintly see the glow of the Milky Way at night. The property is pretty huge and has a cabin, but we both prefer sleeping out under the stars so we set an air mattress in the bed of my truck and pulled it up next to the pond. We got there a little after 3 in the afternoon and after getting everything set up, we decided to go for a walk. This being just a quick walk, I left my phone, wallet, keys, etc. in my backpack to avoid any distractions, even for just a little bit. When we got back about a half hour later, I noticed that my backpack was zipped open and laying on its side. I was sure that I left it zipped up and standing up. I was concerned and brought it up to my fiancé, but she convinced me that I probably just remembered wrong, as I sometimes do. The night goes on and some clouds roll in, ruining our chance to stargaze, so we decided to get to bed a little sooner than normal to get an earlier start the next morning. After some wilderness sexy times we hit the hay. Sometimes I have trouble sleeping at night, so while she sleeps I'm often left laying there for an hour or so until I'm actually out. It's never bothered me too much, but this night in particular I remember wishing I could have just fallen asleep. A little while after we both went to bed, I heard something splashing in the pond next to us. I didn't think much of it, probably just a small animal, maybe a deer. Worst case scenario, maybe it was a mountain lion but I've heard they don't bother campers all that often anyways, so I wasn't worried. It wasn't until I heard the word hey from somewhere across the pond that I was legitimately freaked out. My heart was beating out of my chest. I turned my head to see that my fiancé was still fast asleep, which was good, because I don't even want to imagine how she would have reacted. I laid in silence for what felt like hours, but probably just about five seconds later I heard the word hey again. This time it was a little closer than before, and I knew it wasn't just the wind or my ears playing tricks on me.